You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Facebook continues to investigate its breach. Irish authorities open a GDPR investigation of Facebook. Bogus offers of Zoho office suite are malicious. A big botnet hits Brazil's banking customers. Home routers are found vulnerable. Google and Adobe patch. A DGSI officer is arrested in France for dark web trafficking. FEMA tests its emergency text system. And Fortnite cheats are bad news. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018. Facebook says that so far it's seen no evidence of illicit sign-ons to third-party apps. There have been concerns that the social media platform's Facebook login feature would expose applications to fraud or hijacking. Irish authorities, the one-stop shop for Facebook with respect to GDPR enforcement, are proceeding with their investigation of the breach. Speculation in Europe and elsewhere is trending toward thinking that the fine, and most seem to expect a fine, will be a stiff one despite Facebook's quick compliance with disclosure rules. A quick note on the EU's one-stop-shop principle with respect to its general data protection regulation. In brief, it means that when there's cross-border processing of personal information covered by GDPR, Organizations doing that processing, in this case Facebook, but it applies generally, will deal with one supervisory authority. That lead supervisory authority, in this case Ireland's government, doesn't completely preclude other data protection authorities from involving themselves, but the one-stop shop is at least the first shop you have to stop in. While Facebook is getting credit for quick disclosure, that quick disclosure is giving many second thoughts about whether the tight 72-hour GDPR standard is entirely wise. Investigation is still far from complete, and many observers think that coming out publicly so swiftly hasn't been good for the quality of incident response. Security company Cofence warns users of the free Zoho office suite that they're at risk of data exfiltration attacks. Criminals have opened multiple keylogging campaigns that exploit the product. The crooks are, for the most part, setting up bogus sites with equally bogus free offers of the product, so classify this one as social engineering. High-profile Instagram users, influencers, are being subject to an account hijacking campaign in which criminals are holding the victim's accounts for ransom. 
It seems, according to Naked Security, that the root problem is failure to enable two-factor authentication. Instagram recommends you do so, whether you're a high-profile influencer or just a regular type. Security firm T-Cell provides cloud-based web application firewall services, and that provides them with some interesting insights into app security. They recently gathered up some of those findings and published a security report for web applications. Michael Firetag is CEO at T-Cell. Last year, we did an analysis of how often attacks were successful. Uh, and what we found is that if a attacker tried 100,000 different things against the average application, they might find one vulnerability. Um, we found that that's actually stayed consistent over, over the year. But then we decided to dig a little bit deeper to figure out what are the sources of those vulnerabilities um, that, that people are finding. What we found most striking was that when we looked at the various applications we were protecting, particularly when we were first installed, where it's kind of a you know clean data, sort of clean view of the world, mm-hmm. um, we found that literally 90% of the active applications, 90% of the apps that we saw exposed to the outside world had were running with third-party libraries that had known vulnerabilities, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't in the, ex, you know, what you know, running an app with a vulnerability was not the exception. It was the absolute rule. And, you know, spitballing, roughly a third of those were actually high priority or critical uh, CVEs. So it's, we're not talking about, you know, minor little things. We're talking about, you know, very significant vulnerabilities introduced into the application from third-party content. Um, and we found that really, really interesting. Um, we also saw that the applications uh, over the court, even just over this narrow period of time that we were uh, observing, which was you know, roughly a month or a month or so, um, they evolve very rapidly. You know, so people are really adopting DevOps and Agile and so forth. But there's a side effect of that, which is that the surface area of the application, so basically how the apps could be attacked. It doesn't just change; they seem to keep expanding, and I, we think that's a source of great vulnerability uh, out there that that maybe hasn't been focused on uh, enough. So, you know, we'll see, you know, an average application with literally twenty nine hundred what we call orphaned routes, which is basically you know API endpoints or web pages or or things that the application can do with actual code behind them that are not actually being used, right? That we see no traffic against them. But we know that it, that they can be exercised by the outside world, which means an attacker could try could hit that, and those tend to be the most vulnerable, untested uh, functions of the application. So, you know, twenty nine hundred different functions of the application exposed, generally untested, uh, and not not being used. And what what's the disconnect there? I mean, obviously, people aren't introducing these vulnerabilities intentionally. So, where's the oversight? What's the process by which they're included? Every app is being built on third-party content, right? There are third-party right. libraries, you know, and so forth. So th- this isn't intentional. But sure. what happens is, what, you know, there's a few things, and, and this is more an- anecdotal. You know, once you get something working, you know, developers, they're, you know, they're focusing on functionality. And so you kind of move on to the next thing. Vulnerabilities are discovered very often after the fact. And so if you have an app that's been running for a couple of years, maybe when it was first uh, shipped, there were, it didn't have any known vulnerabilities because the third-party libraries were fresh and you know nothing had been discovered yet, but they were there. Uh, then over time, the world finds out about these. So you know, think of a Struts 2 as sort of the, the extreme example of that. Hmm. You realize uh, 
you know, I'm running this application. It's built on on a library that, you know, either a day ago or a year ago, uh, we discovered some high priority CVEs against that. People don't have visibility into that without additional tooling. That's not very common. T-Cell provides that. But, you know, as I mentioned, when people first to implement, uh, they get kind of the first view of it. Uh, which is, oh man, I've been running this for a year and it turns out that this library I was using does have a huge hole in it and I really wouldn't have known that otherwise. And so if I'm not actively patching everything you know, on an almost daily basis, you run a lot of risk. And then the other side, the, you know, the source of this is, again, people are trying to move faster, right? The, the goal is ultimately to ship better software with more functionality. So they're iterating quickly but then what the, what that translates to is you see what what ultimately becomes cruft in the background. Those are those ARFN routes. Uh, and again, without visibility into that where you can actually measure it, it just falls to the wayside, right? If you don't see it, you don't think about it. If you don't think about it, you don't address it. Uh, and so, you know, to answer your question directly, I think that the real source of a lot of these problems is lack of visibility into risk of the running applications, uh, whether it's understanding what attacks are happening, and so you know how people are trying to compromise you, or just understanding the underlying uh, structure of your applications as they're changing from a security perspective and knowing what to do about them. That's Michael Firetag from T-Cell. If you want to dig into their security report for web applications, you can find it on the T-Cell website. Security firms Radware and Kihu360 are independently tracking a very large botnet that's intercepting traffic destined for Brazilian banks. More than 100,000 routers have seen their DNS settings altered to redirect users to watering hole pages. Most of the routers affected, 88% of them according to ZDNet, are located in Brazil. As one might expect, the goal of the redirection is credential theft. Tenable, the Maryland-based security company, warns that widely used TP-Link TLWR841N consumer routers are susceptible to attacks that concatenate a series of flaws to obtain control over the devices. TP-Link has yet to fix the vulnerable firmware. Unfortunately, there seems to be no mitigation. If you own one of the routers, Tenable suggests you call the vendor to complain to light a fire under them and accelerate patching. Several companies have patched their widely used products. Adobe has fixed 85 issues, 47 of them critical, in Acrobat and Reader. Google has addressed six critical remote code execution vulnerabilities in the Android operating system. Mountain View has also put measures in place to introduce more privacy and security into app development. A dirty cop has been arrested in France. He worked for the DGSI, that's the General Directorate for Internal Security, they work on counter-espionage, counter-terrorism, counter-cybercrime, and surveillance of potential threats. Its functions would be similar to those of the U.S. FBI, although DGSI is more an intelligence and security service than it is a law enforcement agency. The unnamed officer is accused of selling confidential information to mobsters on the black-hand dark web market. He went by the hacker name Horus and he's thought to have sold material that aided and abetted forgery. He also is said to have hawked a service that would tell clients whether they were being tracked by the French police and what the police had on them. Did you get your text alert from FEMA today, U.S. listeners? We did. 
It came in a little after 2 p.m. Eastern Time. It wasn't at all distracting or disruptive, and it looked like a practice alert, a drill, and not the real thing. Emergency alert, it said. This is a test, in all caps, of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. That's plain enough to us. If you're confused, then shame on you and go back to your basement to hide from those Martian tripods we hear just landed in South Jersey. Finally, there are Fortnite cheats circulating in instructional videos posted to YouTube. Players who attempt to use them are likely to be infected with malware for their troubles. There's similar stuff on offer through Instagram posts. Don't cheat. Besides, the cheats wouldn't improve your dance anyway. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by David DeFore. He is the Vice President of Engineering and Cybersecurity at Webroot. David, welcome back. You know, the video game market is huge. It is a giant market. And, of course, uh, with that comes uh, security issues. Uh, What do we need to know about that? Yeah, you know, when we talk about video game safety, there is a small niche market that that not a lot of people talk about when, when you get mad at your computer and you jump around and you throw it around and it might fall on your foot. Um, but that's not what we're talking about today, Dave. We're talking about, um, you know, like cybersecurity, things like that. One of the big things that we've seen in, in a shift in the industry is that video games basically have become social networks. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Hmm. To, to call one out that I'm guilty of playing uh, multiple hours a day uh, is Fortnite. Hmm. And, and yes, when my, I play- my 12-year-old plays a lot of Fortnite. I don't know. I'm not making any connections there, but uh, go on. <laughs> yes, that's been pointed out to me quite often. Thank you. Um, but the uh, with Fortnite, when I'm playing 
I actually can be dropped in with two, three, four other people I don't know, and I'm able to talk to them, not just chat, but actually talk with them. Mm -hmm. And now, you, you know, you think on the surface, well, that sounds good, and it, it's pretty nice. It's good community. But there's things that we need to consider. One, to your point, um, if, if we have our children playing these games, we need to make sure they're aware of, of strangers and, and be conscious of the, the people they're talking to. These are real people and just be aware of that you know, community. And then there are things they need to pay attention to. That's one component. The other would be there's a lot of in-game in purchases now both on on mobile apps on on large games like Fortnite even even other games uh, that are you know solo games and so a lot of these games have our credit card information mm. have our addresses have personal information about us and so we need to also be aware that if these games get hacked that, that it's possible someone could get our information and use it in ways we don't want or charge something up and and change our account. And next thing you know, we got a thousand dollar charge we didn't expect. So we've got to be conscious of that as well. Um, um, as, as you know, there's a lot more selling going on in these in these environments. Yeah, I think it's it's easy to think, particularly when you think about the these gaming platforms, that they're kind of walled gardens um, but when when it's just, when, it, when it is a functional social network, well, you got to be worried about things like social engineering. That's exactly right. And and again, it's just about being conscious of it. You know, it's great. Social networks aren't inherently bad. It's just be aware that you're talking to strangers. And one last thing we see quite a bit, and in here, you know, at, at Webroot, we we make antivirus software. We see a lot of gamers turn off their antivirus while they're playing games and potentially forget to turn it back on. Mm. And so if you do that, you, you know, you're opening yourself up to risk. I, I highly recommend you find something that works while you're playing a game and doesn't affect it because you do want that optimal performance. But but you also need to be aware of of making things run better. Sometimes you turn things off and you're taking that risk or maybe you're opening up ports on a firewall because you want to play a game with your friends and you're doing a peer-to-peer -peer network. You just got to keep in mind the stuff you're doing uh, and, and not expose yourself to security risks you wouldn't normally do. No, it's a great point. I, I remember when uh, my oldest son was a teenager, I sat down at our family computer one day and uh, noticed that uh, some ports had been opened up and I was saying, what, wait, what, what's going on here? And my son said, oh, I just needed to play a game. I'm, Whoa, hold on here, cowboy. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and honestly, the gaming industry has spent a ton of time energy and money, and I, and I got to tip my hat to them, in securing these networks and making it so you don't have to do that. Mm. But, you know, there's still flaws. But more than most industries, they really do look at security and take it seriously. No, it's interesting. David DeFore, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, David. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.